just this past week, a lot of the brothers in the singles, we were taking a, a good hard look at an interesting passage in Colossians that talked about this idea of how can you come to the place of conquering sin, having freedom over sin. And Colossians there in, in verse in chapter two says that this approach that you're taking, saying to yourself, just practice self-discipline, do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, that this approach is destined to perish with use. Interestingly, that that approach is absolutely useless. And as a matter of fact, the more you use it, the more that you realize that it is destined to fall on the ash heap of approaches that you would use to finally give you that set free moment. And then right after that, at the very end of Colossians chapter two, the Bible says, Paul says to the church there, these things have an appearance of wisdom with their harsh treatment of the body, right? The, the clamp it down, the white knuckling, all that goes on there with that. But at the end of the day, they lack any value, any value in restraining sensual indulgence. Now, sensual indulgence doesn't just mean sexual indulgence. Sensual indulgence is any sort of grip that we're in that is a cycle that we're having difficulty coming out. That, that might be pornographic images. That might be masturbation. That might be overeating. That might be in some way or another, you know, kind of having to take the edge off with a couple beers at night. All of those things are, are sensual indulgence. And, and, and yet another sensual indulgence as well for us, I think, is some of the other sins that are common to men. Like Colossians says just before that, coarse joking, filthy language. Right. What were half of the movies that I watched growing up? But but movies that were all about that. What are the movies that now still kind of kind of titillate me and my senses to want to watch? It's those it's those movies with coarse joking and filthy language. I'm I'm most tempted really by by those things above almost anything else. And so if we're to be men that are actually earnest at our core about holding on to what Jesus promises to be set free, released into a life of unbridled, unfettered, irrepressible freedom and discipleship of Christ, living out the truth, embracing the truth, spreading the truth, well then, let's take a harder look at what Jesus promises here. John 8, 31. As many were coming to believe in him, John 8, 31 says, to the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, if you hold to my word, hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then, this is a great if-then statement, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. This is an incredibly proud crowd here. I'm, I, I know I was looking up and staring at you as I said that. <laughs> this is an incredibly proud crowd. And so the idea that they need to be set free absolutely ruffles their feathers. And so they retort, ah, we're Abraham's descendants, have never been slaves of anyone. I think that's a reference to the, the uh, son of the slave woman and the son of the free woman. And they, of course, recognize that they are Isaac, not Ishmael. 
uh, that they are the sons of freedom. And so we're, we're, we're of Abraham and Isaac. We're Abraham's descendants have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? And Jeff, when he preached this, gave, you know, the funny quips too. that. Oh, by the way, you happen to be under the thumb of Rome at the very moment. Not to mention, let's look at the cavalcade of oppressors that have kept you out of freedom for how many centuries. But back to this. How can you say that we shall be set free? They uh, buck up against Jesus. And Jesus replies, very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. And now we see what he's getting at, right? Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs in it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know you are Abraham's descendants. Yet you're looking for a way to kill me because you have no room for my word. And as we take a look at this passage, we're all at some point in our season of walking with Jesus have come to a place where we've despaired of this promise. Free indeed. And I've, I've shared with you at different points in my life and especially about uh, well, praise God, it's getting further and further away now. But, but going back about 14 years in my discipleship, where I went through a season of life where I ended up in a, in a cycle of, of masturbation. And I, I remember thinking, like, oh, my goodness, I've been at this now for, for, for over 10 years. I'm, I'm actually a minister. I mean, oh, my goodness, am, am I trapped in this? Am I ever going to come out? I know Jesus says that I'll be free indeed. But is that just like a platitude? And those just kind of those nice, happy promises that he gives, but it doesn't really kind of work itself out. Is it just a declared freedom? But in actuality, on earth, I'm actually a slave, but in heaven, they view me free. Is it that what's going on there? That, yes, I have chains that are binding me still to this mess of, 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 of uh, selfish indulgence, fleshly indulgence. But no, but as God looks at me, the chains are off. Like, that's a weak, weak sauce freedom yeah. at best. And that's why I think it's important to note that Jesus says you will be free indeed, not free in name only, not free, declared free, but you will have actual freedom. And from what the context tells us from sin, from sin itself, you, if the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. And so as we take a look at this tonight, my first point is know the truth. <clears throat> And that's a linchpin in this, isn't it? If you know the truth, you know the truth and the truth will set you free. To know the truth is to know the truth about sin, to know the truth about you, who you are, and to know the truth about God. And I'll talk about what it means to know in just a moment, but let's talk for a second the truth about sin. This is an important truth to keep straight in us, and it's only by remaining immersed in Jesus's truth, really knowing that truth, really just marinating in that truth that we don't have to become such easy prey to Satan's scheming of giving us a falsehood 
or what he wants you to think is the truth about sin. But the, the truth about sin that he always tries to sell you is it's always the same play. Just go ahead and try, right? This is, this is what he wants you to believe. This is what the accuser, the, the, the deceiver wants you to believe. Just go ahead just this once. Just this once. You've been good so far. You're not, you're not a slave to just this once. You've obviously been able to say no to this over pretty good stretches of the last couple of months here. Just this once. Take a look at it. Let your curiosity finally be realized. God made you curious. God gave you a sex drive. Just go ahead and, and let it be expressed. Just this once. And, and by the way, if you do, it'll probably be a pressure release valve that will take all of this kind of anxiety and energy that is not allowing you to sleep, not allowing you to move on, that is just kind of like a splinter in your mind, not giving you any peace until you finally give in and go after just this once of lustful indulgence, for example. Right? How, how many times has, has Satan brought that our way? More than we can count just this once. But guess what? That great truth from the deceiver is followed up by after you do it. Now that you've done it, you're damaged goods. You've been around too long to go down this path again. All right, th this is the, the bill of goods that sold your way, sold my way. Now that you've gone here, you're polluted, corrupted, defiled. You're not who you were. You're not who you were when you came out of the waters of baptism. You're not who you were that you dreamed you'd be as you were going to be uh, matured into the very image of Christ. Matter of fact, you're going the opposite way. And, and by the way, if you have any hope out of this, you better not share this with anyone. Because on top of everything else, do you really want to add shame to the pain that you're feeling right now? Do you want to add communal shame? You can't go to Ryan Engel and share this with him. That dude's probably never whipped it out in the last 15 years. Pure guy that he is. You don't want to go to that guy. No, 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 you can't do that. He won't be able to relate. And all he's going to do is condemn you. Oh, oh, sure, he'll say the right words. But he's going to condemn you deep in his heart. And he'll probably talk to some other people about it, too. This is what Satan wants you to, to have going on inside your craw. That is that hamster wheel of mess that, that keeps on running as you try to process all the stuff that he's throwing your way. And the other thing that he's going to do is he's also going to keep making you believe that this is what you really desire. That what you really desire is immediate gratification, not delayed gratification. It's the very essence of the serpent in the garden. It's, it's what makes a brute beast a brute beast. Is that a brute beast, me see, me want, me take. Whereas anyone made in the image of God is able to recognize, I see it, but let me evaluate it. I see it, but let me consider it. I see it, but let me consider delayed gratification and weigh its benefits versus immediate gratification and its benefits. Because if you really think it through and really consider the truth of those things, delayed gratification has so much greater desire and value and glory and benefit than any immediate gratification strategy. And immediate gratification makes you into 
Just a beast. A mere, a mere, a mere immediate gratification, no self-control uh, young man. But also know the truth. And that's the truth about sin that, that he wants you to know. But in, in fact, what is sin? Sin is a curated for you corruption to destroy you. It's what Satan wants. He wants to destroy your intimacy and he wants to destroy the image of God in you. He does not want other imagers of God. That was the jealousy that as you entered onto the scene, that as man and woman entered onto the scene that he rails against and wants to undermine at every turn. And so sin is the very way in which he can do a number on you and can in a very effective way bring you to a place where you can uh, not even aspire to be an imager of God any longer. And if he can get you there, that's a, that's a beautiful place indeed. But sin is a mess. Sin, yes, it, 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 as Proverbs 5 says, that yes, it's, it looks beautiful and smooth, but in the end, that apple's got a razor blade in it. And you chomp down on it, it's a, it's a worm with a hook. And it's a worm with a hook waiting for you. And once ensnared, that's Satan's greatest achievement. That's what sin is. Sin is Satan looking to destroy you. And yes, bait is custom made. Bait is obviously, uh, you know, enticing. And it's what Satan does. What's the truth about you? What is, what is the truth about you? Right now, Jesus is trying to tell these folks in the crowd the truth about themselves. And what is that truth? You need a savior. You need to be set free. You are enslaved to sin. Most of us here have recognized that. Most of us here have gone through that. And, and most of us here have been made sons and not slaves. Most of us here despaired of our own effort, despaired of our own religiosity, despaired of our own righteousness, recognized fully the bankruptcy of human effort in order to come to a place of deliverance or even a place of of uh, discipline in our lives. And, and having done so, we, we fell before in surrender to the son who sets us free. But now, now that this has been the case, know that you are a son and not a slave. That you are a son that has a permanent place in God. That if you can remain in this truth, this truth tells you who you are again and again. And there is very little that can stand up against a powerful identity. And the more that you get really marinated into your soul, your identity, oh my goodness, you really do become fireproof from the, 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 the janky uh, temptations that Satan wants to bring your way. Because you realize that's not who I am. Right? If, if there's M&M's with peanuts at the checkout line, the reason that you say no to that it's not just out of raw willpower. The reason you say no to that is because somewhere deep down, you realize that I'm not the kind of man who is so just weak and easily swayed that just the sight of some Madison Avenue 
merchandising to try to get me to make an impulse purchase, that's not, that's not getting me. I'm not that kind of guy. You failed, Mars. Too bad for you today. Maybe the, 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 the weak dude coming behind me you know, goes for that. But, but because that's your identity, right? You're, you're a man that has a backbone. Right? And, and I, again, when that identity is deeply and truly yours, it makes a world of difference. Because then you have a bigger yes. Because when you recognize that identity, every time you don't even consider the M&Ms with peanuts, you're casting a vote for your identity as a man with a backbone. Well, likewise, in Christ, you need to know the truth. But most importantly, the truth about who you are and who God is. Who you are. You are not still, as 1 Corinthians 6 would say, a swindler, a drunkard, sexually immoral. That is not who you are. As a matter of fact, Paul goes on to say, 1 Corinthians 6, 10 and 11, but that is who you were. All of those tapes that play trying to say, but this is who you are. God wants you to know. Jesus wants you to know that is who you were. And you have been washed. You have been sanctified. You have been justified. Amen. You are clean. You are pure. You are set apart. You are consecrated. You're on a holy mission. You have the street record of righteousness that opens doors in all the right places. You walk this world with a righteous strut in your step. And on top of that, it was all done in the name of Jesus Christ. That passage goes on to say, and by the very working of the Holy Spirit of God. Amen. This is not some humanistic operation that occurred. This was done under the banner of the authority of Jesus. That you sit here now. Washed, sanctified, justified. You sit here now. Washed, sanctified, justified. This is the truth of who you are. Later on, when there's clickbait waiting for you on your phone, you are still... Washed, sanctified, justified. Amen. You're a man with steel in the spine of your spiritual soul. Not some impulse creature. This is who you are. You have been made new. The old is gone. The new has come. All this is from God. Not only that, but you have been saved by grace from the ugliness and emptiness of the way of life that had otherwise enthralled you. In other words, you don't, you're not an empty living creature anymore. You're a man of significance. Amen. You're a man that matters. If your life is snuffed out, even if you don't have a line of people that are gonna, at your workplace, they're going to say, oh, no. You have all of heaven that grieves that one of God's champions has been cut short from the significant work that you are to do. This is who you are. Cast a vote for who you are. One of the things that I do is every time I cross a threshold into my car, into this room, into the bathroom, and when I go home, when I go to the, uh, go to the beach, when I go to the gym, when, when I go to places that are even like kind of temptation baskets, I remember who I am. Proactively remember who I, the truth of who I am. 
I'm not some schmo that should be pervy looking out the corner of my eye at the girl on the other treadmill and kind of be some sort of a weird lech dude. That's not who I am. So what would I cast a vote for that by doing that? Why cast a vote for that identity? And why not cast a vote for who I really am? I'm God's masterpiece created in him to do good works that he prepared beforehand that I should walk in them. Ephesians 2.10. There are a lot of great passages that speak of who you are. You are chosen. You are predestined. These are all Ephesians 1. You are predestined. You are, you are God's masterpiece and plan for this earth. Amen. You ain't nothing. You are something crazy off the charts, unique and extraordinary. Supernatural extraordinary. So why just act ordinary? Why just act natural? Why even act subnatural? Cast a vote for who you are. You align with that identity. And it's not you psyching yourself up or megalomaniacs, you know, hyping yourself up. Yes, but I am somebody. No, it's what the scriptures say you are. Just hold to that. Immerse yourself in that truth about you. It is massively important. Do you want to be set free? Well, don't just listen to this vainly. If you really want to be set free, free indeed, that it ends here. You leave this gathering and, and you really do live free from now on. Take this stuff to heart. Amen. This is Jesus at the core giving you this beautiful promise. Free indeed. Not don't have it. Well, yeah, maybe that's a nice idea. This is your identity. This is massive. Grab onto it. Hold on to it. That's what he says. Remain in me. Hold on to this with all that you've got. And then also the truth about God. You have God as your father. You can go to God in prayer and get after him as a, as a child gets after a father. You have an advocate. You have Jesus, even right now, advocating before you in heaven. 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 and 2 says exactly that. If you do sin, guess what you've got? You've got Jesus right there before the Father saying, you know what? Ricky, this Ricky dude, I got him. I got this guy, this guy, this guy is redeemed. This guy is mine. This guy is clothed in my righteousness. This guy had a bad moment, but that's not who he is. I got him. And, and, and you know what? I paid the price. You watch. He's going to realize that and it's going to be amazing as we watch him go. As for every one of us right now, this is the God that you have is a God who roots for you, a God who's excited for you. He's a God who's holy and he's a God who's scary, but he's good. As Aslan has said about in Narnia, he's not safe, but he's good and he's yours. You got the God of the universe on your side. The God of the universe in your corner. The God of the universe rooting for you. The God of the universe, when you turn in repentance, even for the 100th time for the very same thing, that causes in flight all the angels to erupt in celebration. Yes, beautiful. Richard, turn in again. Well, oh, but he's turned like this how many times? Doesn't matter. Back he comes. Yes, celebration among all the angels. And among God, whose thoughts for him outnumber 
all the grains of sand in all the shores. And that's your God that you've got. Yeah, he's holy and he really is doing all of this so that we don't just kind of indulge. But he's doing all of this because he knows that holiness is your path. This point, know the truth, is not just memorize the truth. It's not just immerse yourselves in the truth. But the word to know, whenever Paul uses it, whenever Jesus uses it, this is not about being able to pass a quiz on this sort of stuff. This is all about experiential truth. It's, yeah, we, we've joked about this before, but, you know, the King James, when, when Adam and Eve conceived and bore a son, you know, it said, and Adam knew Eve. Well, it is that word, to know. But to know is to have an intimate experience. It's not just husband-wife type stuff. It's an intimate experience with anything. And, and, and for certain, to, to, to know the truth about who you are is to remind yourself of who you are and cast votes for who you are again and again. To know the truth about, um, about God and his relation to you is to remind yourself again and again of the God who, who is watching over you and is discerning your ways and rooting for you, not waiting with the lightning bolt for you. And it's also to know it is the God who also says, Hey, if, you're, if your right hand causes you to sin, well, cut the thing off and throw it away. If your right eye causes you to sin, cut it out, throw it away. Why? Because that is a God who takes it that seriously. But what does that mean, by the way, since we're on Matthew 5, 38, and, and all that is said there? Is he trying to say, hey, this is the prescription to no longer masturbate again? Well, you got a left hand and you got a left eye. I think if Jesus were trying to say, cut off a body part, and you won't masturbate anymore. He picked the wrong body part. He could have picked that one. No. What is the right eye? What is the right hand? It is the essential parts by which you go about living out life. Right. In order for you to work, your good eye is essential. In order for you to work and earn a living, your right hand, your good hand. Is, is, is essential. What are these things that he's talking about? These are the things that you view as integral, indispensable, and entitled for your life. That without which you think you couldn't live. Jesus is saying, if you have anything like that in your life, that you think is so indispensable, so much an entitlement, well, it's not worth it if it is actually causing you to sin. And even the thing that you view as the most valuable, right eye, right hand, it is nothing in value to being set free. So get it out of your life. If it's this, get it out of your life. Why not? It's interesting that even there's a big movement right now among tech giants to get this out of their lives. Completely out of their lives. Some of the best-selling books right, right now are, are all about simplifying, purifying what it is that are becoming the stimuli in our life. And if, if, if one of the, kind of the kind of the tech leading figures is advocating that and has countless devotees doing that, well, what's the great entitlement that you've got if this thing actually causes you to sin? Cut it out, throw it away. Yeah, but I need it, but I need it. 
Right. That's what Jesus is saying. Even something like this. Cut it out, throw away. Do you really want to be free from sin? Or do you really want to be able to you know, check the Orioles score? Here's, a, here, here's an insight. They lost. And what about the Dodgers? Dodgers probably won. Anyway. Um, but would you rather check the Dodgers score or would you rather be set free? What? Get, get real about these entitlements. And I, again, please, if you, if you experience the teaching of Jesus, cut it out, cut it off, throw it away. Better for you to live free than to be enslaved. Well, that's not going to set you free, he says, unless you know the truth. Know the truth. Experience the truth. Incorporate the truth. It just becomes the air that you breathe as the way that you live your life. This is not a mountain to climb or a sea to swim. This is not some impossible task. If we actually really immerse ourselves in what Jesus says here, you will be free indeed. Who wouldn't want to know what it is to be unshackled, living your life for Christ, becoming more and more effective? How, how awful is it to be in a sin study with a seeker and you know that a big issue in that fellow's life is the lust, the pornography, the masturbation that has gripped him. And instead of you being able to read a scripture with him about that in Ephesians 5 or in Galatians 5 or in Mark 7, rather than you being able to read a scripture about that and, and be able to share like, yes, I too was enslaved by that, but free, free, free these last decade of my life, free, praise God, it really is all true. But instead you have to say, oh yeah, uh, I, I guess I struggle with that too. I mean, what happens to that Bible study? Is that, is, that, is that really the vehicle you want to be? Or why not? Why not share your, the gospel and your life as well, as Paul did to the Thessalonians? Then they'll know what it is to receive the gospel with power and with the Holy Spirit. Wouldn't you like to be a vessel of that? Again, this doesn't have to be so, well, after I have years of track record. No, decide now. Decide now that you want this beautiful life of freedom and be this effective vessel. For Jesus in all of these different ways. Decide tonight that this is not an empty platitude. You'll be free indeed. Decide tonight this is for you too. And put it into practice. And then finally, <clears throat> remain in my word, he says. And this is this idea that no matter what, hold fast. No matter what. What is it that he said? It's not, not too very different from what I was just saying. But in James 1.25, go ahead and turn over there. We'll come back to John 8 in a second. Jesus' brother says, But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Do you see the steadfastness, the perseverance, the intentionality that I am going to be in the word. I'm going to remain in the word, not just looking at it, but experiencing it. This remaining in the word is not just reading it, reading it, reading it. It is reading it and doing it. The man who builds his house on the rock, rock builders, all of you happen by being intent about hearing the word, 
and doing the word. That is remaining in the word. Jesus never intended that to be in his word, remain in his word, was just to hear it a lot. It was to hear it and live it. Hear it and experience it. Hear it and know it. Hear it with intimacy. By being able to walk around in it, live it out, when it's difficult in in particular. That's why this is that word of hold on. This, This word implies that there's going to be bad, difficult moments. Hold on. Hold on to the truth of this. No matter what is starting to come your way and watch Watch the way that you're able to flourish. Watch the way that, that you are to that you are given freedom, not forgetting what you've heard, doing it. And by the way, being blessed, it says, in everything that you do, blessed in what you do. Who doesn't want that? Would you rather have this or would you rather have that? My goodness. One other passage I want to want to read that speaks to this a little bit. Look over in um, in second John. Anyone who runs ahead and does not continue in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever continues in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If you really want Christ, to really have Christ, to have the Father, to have the Son, is exactly this. Do you want that to be the ecosystem of your life? Well, then make his word Make the living out of his word the absolute center of your life. The very center of your life. Not a, well, maybe I'm going to sneak in a little bit of a quiet time here. Maybe I'm going to sneak in some idea of how I might obey here or there. Make this the thing in which you continue. The thing that enthralls you. The thing that is you. Whoever continues in the teaching of Christ has both the Father and the Son. You have God. You have the creator. You have the Messiah. You have what all have hoped for forever and ever. And you have his freedom. You have him as your advocate. You have him in your corner. You have him as your daddy. You have him. My goodness. Cast the vote for that. Think through these things. Remain in his teaching. If he says to you, watch and pray so that you do not fall into temptation... Well, then watch and pray. Begin your day anticipating. That's what watch means. Look over the next ridge is what that word, that verb is. Watch, anticipate what's coming your way. Are you going to the gym today? Are you going to your office where that girl is maybe going to wear something she ought not wear, but does wear anyway? Are you going to a class where that girl is just catty corner from you? Has those legs? Are you right? Anticipate. Are you going to be maybe up at night past your wife and be tempted to go do the bills? Yes, that's what I'm doing. And yet be prey to what's going to be on the screen. Are you going to watch TV and, and think, well, maybe I'll start to channel. Sir. In, in all of those situations, if you watch, not just pray, but watch and pray, anticipate that very scene, anticipate that I'm going to be feeling like I need to decompress on the couch. I'm going to have the clicker and I'm going to start making my way through the channels or the apps or whatever it is that you do uh, with your remote and and know that. But you know what? Pray through that and realize, you know what, Jesus, I'm going to be sitting there and it's like likely that this is going to come up. It's likely that I'm going to see an actress and I want to Google her. It's likely that I'm going to see a show 
that is risque and I think, well, I can watch it up until a point until something bad happens. It's likely that, right, think it through. Because if you think it through and pray, and pray until you see the path out, and that always happens. There's never been a time where I've done this where God has not shown me the path out. Amen. Then when it happens and you find yourself in the very spot and you're about to head down the do do path of temptation as if I didn't realize, you realize, holy smokes. Yeah. Jesus, we talked about this already. Oh, what? Oh, you already showed me the path out. You already showed me the excitement of what I can do instead. You already showed me. I'm going to go in and I'm going to go pray by this bedside of my sleeping kids. And praise the Lord instead of trying to think that decompressing in front of that TV is what's going to nourish my soul. You know what's going to nourish my soul? Just looking at my kids and thanking God for them and then, and then going in and hugging my wife. That, that's what's going to nourish my soul. But, but I don't know what the way out is going to be for you, but that way out will be presented if you watch and pray. Amen. That's what it is to experience, to know his teaching. That's Jesus' teaching on how not to be trapped in sin. Watch and pray. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Well, he tells you how. Watch and pray so that this does not happen. Remember your identity. Cast votes for your identity. Know the truth about yourself. Know the truth of, of what Jesus teaches by living it out. Cut it off. Throw it away. Choose righteousness. Go for the bigger yes. Be a man that recognizes that you've, you're consecrated, you're sanctified. You've got an identity that others would, would wail and weep when they realize who they are from a spiritual perspective compared to who they could be when they know that you've had all of that. We are blessed men. And as we go about this, we'll be blessed in all we do. And more importantly than all of that, we'll also be set free. Amen. Set free. Free indeed. Do not, please, do not take this casually. This takes out the men of our church. Takes us out of the mission. Takes us out of shepherding. Takes us out of leading our families. Takes us out of the joy. Takes us out of our, of our spiritual maturity of being shaped into the image of Christ. This junk, this lie by Satan takes us out. Know the truth. Get real about this. Make decisions tonight about how you're going to follow what Jesus says so that you can really be set free. Amen. We'll break to our, uh, our small groups to talk. Amen.